Hi, and welcome to the Living in Harmony Family Ministry Podcast, where parents are at the forefront of raising their kids. We exist to help families create a biblical culture in the home while navigating the culture in the world. That being said, welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to Living in Harmony. My name is Delmar. I am Robert. And I'm April. And welcome to episode 11. We are back again for another week, and this week is kind of fun. We're going to do something a little bit different than what we've done it before, but I'm actually pretty excited about it. But before we do that, one thing we do every week, we want to kind of revisit it this week, is we want to just catch up. What did you guys do this week? So let me ask you, what did you get up to this week? Well, this week, one of the coolest things we did, um, we started these these connection groups. We're working through the Apostles' Creed, and we are hosting one of those in our home. So we had people come over, and some of the people were people that we have known for a while. Some of the people are people that we're just getting to know for the first time. But we had a really good time getting into the first... Uh, into the first aspect of the uh, of the Apostles' Creed, and I know that's also done by Matt Chandler too, right? It is. It's a Matt Chandler Matt Chandler video thing. Um, there's a book that goes along with it. It's just it was it was really good because you know it, it's it's one of those things. It's a it's a summary. And it's just a summary of all the major doctrines in a in a in a in a short couple of paragraphs. And uh, Matt Chandler, he has a way of. The way I describe his preaching is he punches you in the mouth and then makes you beg for more, right? Because he, he'll say this thing and you're like, ow, I need more. But that's, isn't that like, that's how, no that's, pain, no that's good preaching right there. Good <laughs> preaching is abrasive because the only way you can get through to heart is you got to tenderize it first, right? So that he does that with the power of the law and then gets in there and lets the gospel at work. I love Matt Chandler. So I think if any of y'all are following his story, like in real life here recently, it's uh, it's kind of a full circle story in even in his own ministry. So it's cool to see that restoration happening and also us using him at our church. And I think, like you said, I think a lot of people are loving this story, mm-hmm. um, this this series on the Nicene Creed. And we've been reciting that in church lately, which has been pretty awesome to kind of kick it old school in that way. So that was what happened at y'all's house this week. It went good. It did. It went really well. Really good. I think, uh, yeah, I think I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about that. In our family, uh, last night, my son came to me or yesterday and said, Dad, I want to start a podcast, which is awesome, <laughs> which means a couple of things. He he finds value in that we're over here doing this, right? I think that's really cool that he watches his dad. But then on second thing, he's five years old. So I'm sitting here going, what? can a five-year-old do on a podcast but that's fine so I, I scripted out a couple things you know and then we came over to the studio last night and i said all right let's just do a get to know you and let's ask some god questions that's what he calls his catechism questions and i will 30 minutes later i'm sitting there like wow my little son he's i don't know i, I mean it's not hard to get a five-year-old to talk let's be honest but he was able to carry some thoughts and I, uh, I I was even surprised by some of the things he said. So, uh, anyways, we we've we put that out there. It's Pete Boys on YouTube, and uh, if you at it, it's Calvin Cast. That's what he's calling it. Calvin so, Cast. Calvin I Cast. I know. Isn't that funny? He's he is such a little like go getter, and uh, and I, I'm just excited if if that helps him uh, and that puts it out there, supports him, but also. I think there's a lot of parents, you're tired of watching Blippy right now. If you've got little kids, that mm-hmm. is like miserable. Or, you know, Dan, the paleontologist, like my kids watch this. But this is a, kind of a semi-long form podcast, and it's for kids and their parents. And it kind of came from, in me, 
one of the reasons I decided to post it after we recorded, every night I lay in the kid in the bed with the kids when they go to sleep. I read them. We're reading the Hardy Boys right now. I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever read the Hardy Boys. We're reading oh, yeah. the Hardy Boys. They love it. But then uh, there's something. What do you drift off to sleep to? Well, this is something a parent can listen to, and uh, it kind of makes them enjoy their own child while they're maybe laying in the bed putting their kid to sleep, and mm-hmm. and and something for the kids to reflect to. So I would encourage you check that out. Um, but that being said, it was a pretty good week at the Pete House, and now we are about to get into this podcast and. What I find very great is, man, when the sermon ended Sunday, I was just sitting there like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And especially, I'm not going to give it away, but that last illustration he used, I can't remember the last time I'm sitting there and like a a pastor hits me with the, you know, the Paul Harvey, I didn't see it coming. And I'm like tearing up. I actually made that and we put it out as a reel today because it was so good. Um, because this past week, Pastor Dan, he did talk about parenting. And he talked about it in the vein of like this gospel-infused parenting that is designed to transmit our child's parenting, or us parenting our children to um, be obedient, how that translates over to our child is then obedient to God. And it was really good. Anyways, before before we roll this sermon, I'd love to hear just your initial feedback of, of where you were sitting when this sermon was over. Because everyone, even kids, people without children, were like, this is what I needed this Sunday. So, yeah, it was it was really cool. I mean, this is a it's a very familiar passage. And it's something, you know, Ephesians 6, you know, first first four verses of that of that uh chapter. And it's something that I've read, I don't know, a thousand times, you know, a thousand and sixty-three times perhaps by now. Um, but it, 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 the way he broke it down, it was like, oh, I hadn't thought about exactly that way. And I hadn't thought about it in, in all of those details and what all of those implications were. And, and to me, that's what, that's, I really enjoy that. Uh, and, and you don't have to get into a, you know, deep, Hebrew or Greek lexicon and, and, and super deep theology, you just think about what are the words? What word and what is the implication of that word? What does it mean to say, you know, discipline? What does it mean to say instruction and to put those things together and just and just kind of walk through and, and think through that? And I think that's, you know, one of the values of, of good preaching is it, it does that. It helps mm. you think through the things that it's there. You, you could do it. Um, on your own, but but it really helps you walk through and, and just think through all of that stuff and, and apply it properly. Mm. What about you, April? Well, I'll, I don't know how much to say right now because you had mentioned to hold it off until yeah, yeah, yeah. not to do too many spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I loved I I loved it. I mean, so many things that that he said throughout the throughout the sermon. I was just like, yes, yes, this is, you know, there's so many things if you know, that we've learned along the way, um, through, through good things, sometimes through mistakes. And it's just like, if these are the things, if, if I could have just said to someone, this is what I want you to know about parenting. I mean, he was just nailing thing after thing after thing. Yeah. And, and it does. So today, if you're listening, it doesn't matter what stage of life you are uh, as a parent. It doesn't matter if you've been a parent, if you're expecting, if you, it doesn't matter if you're empty nester, this one hits home because it goes into how the church as a whole even operates in the spectrum of raising children. So what we want to do right now, we want to throw it over to our pastor, Pastor Dan, 
and I'll let you hear uh, for him speak on Ephesians 6, and then we'll see you on the other side. We have, a, we have a kid that is graduating high school this year, and so Stephanie and I have been in this super reflective stage where we're like, I just can't believe it. I can't believe that we have a, a kid that's months away from moving out. And I, I specifically remember back to when he was born. You know, we were in the hospital, and a day or two later, it was time for us to go home. And so I pulled the, the car up, and the nurse wheeled Steph out. She was in the wheelchair, and she's holding little baby Judah. And we got him situated in the car seat. And, and the nurse slammed the car door and waved to us. And I remember having this feeling come over me like, you're not coming with us? Like, we're, we're on our own? And, and this dread just kind of filled me like, I have no clue what I'm doing. And uh, man, I have felt that feeling more times than I can count over the past eight years. A couple of years ago, I was helping Judah write a, a paper for school. And I can't remember what it was about, but we were sitting there and I was helping him. And Parents, you know how sometimes you go from helping your kids with their homework to just doing it for them? I, I basically just wrote this paper for them. And uh, I was like, well, you know, at least he's guaranteed an A. I'm pretty good at this. You know, I got a master's degree. And so a couple days later, I asked Judah, I was like, what did I get on my, I mean, what did you get on your paper? And he's like, a C. I was like, a C? Like, what? That was like, at the worst, A minus material. And, and over the years, I've had a lot of moments like that where I, I felt like I knew what I was doing with parenting, only to find out I did not have a clue. If you're the parent of kids that are still at home, or you remember back when your kids were little and still at home, uh, I'm sure that you have felt the exact same way. You know, they have a, a saying about parenting that the days are long, but the years are short. And that is so true. Some days with your kids just feel so long, but then you blink and they're in middle school and you blink again and they're graduating high school and you're wondering, are they ready? Like, have I prepared them well enough? Well, we're going to talk about that today from Ephesians chapter 6. You've got a Bible with you this morning. You've got a phone with an app on it. Go ahead and make your way to the New Testament letter of Ephesians. And uh, by the way, I've had several people ask what Bible translation I use. I use the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. We don't have one particular version or translation here, so you can feel free to use whatever you want. NIV, ESV, NLT, CSB, that's a lot of, if you're new to the Christian faith, that's some insider baseball. There's a lot of different Bible translations, and you need to use the one that is uh, uh, easy for you to read and understand. We're in a series that we're calling Grab Bag Theology. What we're doing is we're taking uh, five random things that we're going to need to know about in this new year. And we're filtering those things through the lens of the gospel and theology. Uh, so far, we've talked about the importance of, of fellowship and community with other Christians. Last week, we talked about how to make wise, godly decisions. Next week, we're going to talk about our, our jobs and, and work. Two weeks from now, we're going to talk about how to work through relational conflict. But this morning... We're going to talk about parenting. Now, for those of you that don't have kids or your kids are grown out of the house, hang with me on this, okay? I think there's going to be something for you in this sermon as well. But uh, Ephesians was a letter that was written by Paul. You, you'll hear Paul's name if you're in church for any period of time. He was a, he was a, a big wig in the early Christian church. And he wrote this letter to a church in the city of Ephesus. And man, there's all kinds of good stuff in this letter. Particularly, there's really helpful stuff in this letter about relationships. 
And in the section that we're going to look at today, Paul gives some very helpful, practical thoughts about parenting. And so the, the big idea from this passage that I want us to get, I'll give it to you right up front this morning, it's this. Children that learn to obey and honor their parents will ultimately learn to obey and honor God. Now that is not a steadfast promise that, that works 100% of the time, every time, but generally, uh, children that learn to obey and honor their parents will learn to obey and honor God. Parents, this right here is a test run. This is a practice run for, for, for the relationship that our kids should have with God. So let's turn our attention to the text here. The first three verses speak directly to children. So it starts off and it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. And, and I just want to pause there for a second and affirm that. It is a good thing for children to obey their parents. We have a bunch of kids here this morning and uh, teenagers and students and, and college students that are still living at home. And I, I just want to say it's a good thing for, parent, or for children to obey and honor their parents. I'm not that far removed from where you are in your life. And I know that kind of subtle pressure that you get, like, you know, parents are clueless and they don't understand and your, your parents are just sort of a necessary evil until you're old enough to move out. No, listen, reject that thinking. Obey them, honor them. The next phrase that, that Paul uses here, it should be in quotes in your Bible or it should be marked somehow because Paul is quoting something. And what he's quoting here is, uh, is one of the Ten Commandments. So look at how it continues. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now that's kind of a strange promise, isn't it? Obey your parents and you'll live a long life. Well, in the Bible, children disobeying their parents was actually a huge offense against God. I mean, believe it or not, if you could look up the really big sins in the Bible, disobedience to parents would be at the top of the list. So, for example, in, in Romans 1, it gives a list of really bad sins like murder and, and sexual immorality. And disobedience to parents makes the list. The less you obey and honor your parents, the less you'll learn to obey and honor God. So you know what I think Paul is saying here? You know what I think he, he means when he, when he quotes this? when he says that there's a promise of long life attached to obedience, I think he's saying this. If you obey your mom and dad, God will not cut your life short because of disobedience. I mean, it's about as serious as it gets. Children, it is a good thing to obey your parents because when you learn to obey and honor them, you will ultimately learn to obey and honor God. But I want to spend the, the majority of my time this morning addressing parents. And so we're going to look at verse 4. It's a, it's a short verse, but it packs a powerful punch. And what we see in this verse is that there's one negative command, and then there's three positive responsibilities for parents. Okay? So the one negative command is this. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Some of your translations might say, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And what it means is, uh, to, to frustrate somebody to the point of anger. It, it's meddling and nitpicking and frustrating somebody until they get angry and blow up. Now, did you notice the switch in this passage? He's talking here about honoring uh, both parents, mom and dad, but then he specifically addresses the dad. 
So does this mean that, that the mom doesn't have a parenting role or, or any kind of responsibility before God? No, it does not mean that. I believe that Paul is extending what we call headship to the role of raising kids. And headship means that while the husband and wife are partners and they both have roles and responsibilities, it's the man that bears the primary responsibility of the spiritual education and well-being of the children. So again, it does not mean that the mom doesn't have any kind of responsibility or authority, but it is the man who has the primary responsibility before God. Dads, I believe that, that we will give a special account of these verses to God one day that I don't think the moms will have to. Now, the question is, why this particular command? Out of all the things that Paul could have said, why this? Why, why didn't he say, uh, fathers, don't pamper your children? Fathers, don't discourage your children. Don't neglect your children. Why does he say, don't stir them up to anger? Here's why. Anger is the most common emotion of the sinful heart when it confronts authority. Fathers embody authority. And when dad's authority and little Billy or little Susie's self will meet, well, there tends to be anger. You may have heard this story. This happened just a couple of weeks ago in uh, December in Uganda, there was a, a story of a, a little two-year-old boy and he was playing near this little lake and there was a hippo nearby and the hippo kind of meandered over to where the boy was and he got real aggressive. He grabbed the boy by his head and literally swallowed him whole. It was like the African Jonah. Um, bystanders were standing there and they saw it happen and they started throwing rocks at this hippo and the hippo regurgitated the boy and, and he was taken to the hospital, treated for injuries. He was totally fine. But the police warned residents in that area to be on the lookout for this hippo. And here's what he said. Hippos can become aggressive when they get angry. No kidding. Now, that is true in nature, and that's true in family dynamics. When your authority comes up against your child, they're not going to like it. And so I think Paul is saying, listen, there's going to be plenty of anger, even in the best of parenting, so do your best not to frustrate your kids. You know, back in the day that, that Paul was writing this letter, in this particular culture, there existed something called pater familias. And what that meant is dad is in charge. Like, dad's the dictator. What dad says goes. I mean, fathers had a lot of authority in that culture. And... <clears throat> With that type of power, fathers tended to be harsh and negative. And so Paul is warning them that there are biblical limits to their authority. He's saying, I want you to live in such a way that you don't frustrate your kids. So parents, what are some ways that we might do this? What are some ways that we might unintentionally frustrate our kids to anger? Well, how about being overly controlling? How about never being satisfied with their grades or their friends or their choices or their achievements? How about never giving them age-appropriate freedom? How about when, when they ask for your help and you just kind of blow them off and it's always like, well, just a minute and hang on or, or you're always on your phone? All those things frustrate our kids and it hurts our relationship with them. So can I just offer one piece of, of practical advice here? If this is you, dad, mom, if, if you have been the cause of some of your kids' anger, apologize to them. Ask your son or daughter to forgive you, even when they're really young. I'm telling you, it's humbling. It's, it's humiliating in a lot of ways. 
but it is an absolute game changer for creating an environment in the home where we can own up to our mistakes and then receive grace for those mistakes. So that's the, that's the negative command. Now we're going to look at three positive responsibilities. And the first responsibility is this. There is a relational responsibility. What does he say in the second part of verse 4? He says, bring them up. Bring them up. That's the same word used in chapter 5, verse 29, when it talks about a husband uh, caring for his wife. It's a relational term. See, it goes without saying, but parents must have a close relationship with their kids. They, They have to know that we love them. Parents, when you mess up and you apologize, it'll be a whole lot easier and your kids will receive it better if you've already established that close relationship with them. You will not be able to instruct them and discipline them if you don't have a relationship with them. As a matter of fact, that's where rebellion comes in. Discipline without a relationship leads to rebellion. And this is why I love it, and I'm sure I've done it a million times over the years with my kids, but this is why I don't think it's a great thing to to just tell your kids, because I said so. Well, why do I have to do that? Why do I need to do that? Because I said so. Well, maybe, maybe take the time and say, listen, I, I, I love you. We, we have a relationship, and you doing this is not going to be healthy for you. It's not going to be beneficial for you. And because I love you, I'm, I'm saying, no, you can't do that. You can't be involved in this. Now, this is not the way we normally think of it in our culture, is it? Moms are the relational ones, and dad is the provider and the discipliner. But according to this passage, we got to put aside that male awkwardness and we have to let our kids know that we love them. Now, maybe you didn't grow up with a dad like this, and so maybe this is especially difficult for you and and foreign to you. Well, that that just means you're going to have to work extra hard on this. You're going to have to break that pattern with your kids. You may not have had an earthly example of a father that was relational, but you do have a heavenly example. God the Father loves you relationally. So, by way of application, dads, I want to encourage you on a regular basis, and and moms too, to to talk to your kids and and to say things like this. Listen, do do you know that I love you? Do you know that I want the absolute best for you? Do you know, do you realize there's nothing you could ever do that would make me love you less? Showing them that you love them is good, but you need to tell them. You need to build a relationship with them. This is part of parenting. This is is what God intends. The second positive responsibility is a discipline responsibility. What's he say here? Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training. Now, training equals discipline. Some of your translations actually use the word discipline. And this is the one that that for a lot of parents is very, very tough because we don't like to discipline our kids. So maybe the question we need to ask is this. What is my primary goal for my child? Is my primary goal that my child would at every moment of every day be happy or that they would be holy? If you want your kids to, above all, love God and pursue holiness then there's going to have to be discipline in their lives. That's what it is. Parental discipline is a rescue mission. It's telling your kids, I love you enough to limit your sinful behavior. And that's that's what their behavior is. It's, It's sinful behavior. We should want to discipline our kids so that they will not reap the result of their sin. 
Ultimately, discipline teaches our kids about God's authority. When, when kids are allowed to get away with anything they want, without any kind of consequences from mom and dad, what does that teach them about God? You know, it's a really sobering thought to think that one day our kids are going to stand before God and they're going to give an account of their lives. You ever think about that, parents? So what is the more painful thing for you? The thought of your child experiencing unpleasantness from your discipline right now or the thought of them receiving much worse from God because of the sin that you never disciplined them over? I mean, this is crucial stuff because our children will never learn to obey and honor God if they don't first learn to obey and honor us. This is why we bring discipline into their lives. You know, back in World War II, uh, Allied troops would sometimes wear these really weird-looking shoes. we got a picture of it here. Um, they, they would wear these shoes to lead the enemy astray. They, they did that to confuse the, the enemy and lead the enemy right to them. And man, our, our kids do this, right? Our kids get off path, and they start to follow the, the, the wrong uh, person in life, and they start to head the, in the wrong direction in life. And we need to lovingly bring discipline into their lives to get them back on track. Now, how we discipline them is just as important as why we discipline them. Fathers have already been warned in this passage not to be harsh. So we need to make sure that we are disciplining them and not punishing them, and there is a difference. Punishment is done out of anger. Discipline is calculated with a view toward instruction. You know why we should, Christian parents should not punish their kids. Do you know why? Because Jesus was already punished for your kid's sin. So when we discipline our kids, we're saying, listen, Jesus died to forgive you. And your behavior right now, it is not in line with what he wants for your life. It's to be painful, but it's to be redemptive. You know, my, my, my favorite story of when I was a kid and uh, being disciplined you can ask uh, my dad for the, the full details of the story. I was really young, maybe six or seven years old. And, you know, my parents hadn't gotten saved until they were in their early 30s. I was like three or four years old. And I think mom and dad would admit that when they first got saved, they were pretty gullible. And anything that another Christian told them about the Christian life or anything like that, they would kind of take as the gospel truth. And so somewhere along the line, <clears throat> my dad had heard that it would be a really powerful thing that when you're, you need to discipline your kids, like you need to spank your kids, that you take the punishment for your kid, and that's supposed to show your kids the, the gospel, right? That Jesus took our punishment. And so I remember one night I did something. I don't know what it was, but dad got the belt out. I mean, it was going to be a, a, a whooping. And he said, listen, I'm going to take your spanking for you. You deserve it, but just like Jesus took our punishment, I'm going to take your punishment. And so he gave me the belt, and he leaned over the bed, and I was supposed to, you know, use the belt on him. Well, as a six- or seven-year-old, I thought this was like, this was amazing. And I, I teed off on that behind. You know, and, you know, five, six licks in, I think he realized it wasn't quite having the effect that it was supposed to. Uh, it didn't really work. I still got the gospel from my parents, and I appreciate that, but... You know, I, I laugh at that, but I, I look back at the times in my life where I, I was disciplined, and, I, and now I can almost look back at those times and, and kind of chuckle. Like, it's, it, it, they're almost fond memories. 
And that's because disciplined kids are not abused kids. Children that are disciplined appropriately are secure. And secure kids grow up into, to, to secure adults that in many cases learn to honor and obey God. So parents, let me just ask you, how are you doing with this? Not asking you to be harsh, but, but are you disciplining your kids appropriately? Or, or just because it's, it's too painful or it's too much of a hassle and you just don't like doing it and it just creates a headache, are you letting stuff go in your house that this should be dealt with? There's a discipline responsibility. Thirdly, we see here that there is a teaching responsibility. What does Paul say? Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We've already said that, that the parent-child relationship is to model the relationship that we have with God. We need to lead our children to a loving, trusting relationship with God. So, moms, it's important for you to teach your little girls to do stuff that that, that girls need to know how to do. Dads, it's important for you to teach your, your sons to do stuff that men should be able to know how to do. But as parents, our first responsibility is to teach them about God. It's to bring them up in the instruction of the what? The Lord. Now, I think that that instruction needs to be formal. I think that there needs to be times where parents sit down with their kids for family worship or prayer or, or Bible reading. But I also think the Bible makes it clear that we need to instruct our children informally. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have something called the Shema. And it's, it's kind of like a, a Jewish uh, overall statement of faith. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. And then listen to this. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. I mean, do you see the, the, the saturation that these verses talk about? Notice how informal the instruction is. When you're sitting in your house, when you're out running errands, at night as you're getting ready for bed, we're to look for opportunities all the time to instruct our kids about God and, and about the Bible and about Jesus and about a biblical worldview. The moral and biblical education of children is accomplished best, not necessarily in a, in a formal teaching period each day, but when parents, out of concern for their own lives as well as their children, make God and His Word just a natural topic of conversation. So parents, that means that we need to be interactive with what our kids watch and what they listen to and what they learn at school. They are instructed every hour of every day of their lives. We need to make sure that we're countering that with biblical instruction. We need to teach them that when they say no to God, they're saying yes. Or excuse me, when they say no to sin, they're saying yes to God. Now, singles and, and older people whose kids are, are maybe out of the house, this is where you come in. God grows Christian kids in two gardens, the home and the church. And believe it or not, you can be a part of the parenting process at church, even if you don't have kids or your kids are grown and out of the house. Because the kids in this church, they, they see you and they watch you and they look up to you. How is the example you're setting? Are, are you investing in these kids? Are you being intentional about helping them grow spiritually? You know, we had a lot of kids that were baptized last year. 
A lot of children. That is a wonderful thing to see. And, and many of you that are, that are sitting here have had a part in that. You, you taught these kids in Sunday school classes and at Kids Zone, and you just are a part of their life, and you modeled the gospel for them, and you've, you, you've uh, instructed them biblically. You've had a part in the spiritual growth of these kids. You know, Judah right now is, is in the middle of applying for all kinds of different college scholarships. And so he's writing essays. And one recent essay that, that uh, he wrote, they asked him to write about people in his life that have set an example of servanthood and selflessness. He wrote about two people from Harmony Church. Two people that over the past five years he's just observed that have served and have been selfless in so many ways. So singles and, and other parents and grandparents, I want to thank you for how you model the gospel to the kids of this church. You know, growing up, my, my favorite baseball player was Pete Rose. I know he got into a little bit of trouble later on, but I, I loved watching Pete Rose play. Do you know what, what record Pete Rose holds? Anybody baseball fans here? I bet Noel knows. All-time hit leader, right? Nobody's hit the baseball more times than Pete Rose. Now, um, he hit some home runs and he hit some triples, but for the most part, he showed up game after game after game and hit singles and doubles. He just got on base. And over his career, all those things added up, all those hits added up, and now nobody's come close to, to that record. And parents, I want to tell you that all those Sunday school classes add up. And all the sermons that they sit through on Sunday mornings add up, even if they're kind of half-tuned out. And all the Wednesday night kid zone programs and all the little conversations that your kids have with other people here, they add up. And so this is an important thing to get your kids plugged in to the church. Grow, raise your kids in the context of the local church. Because see, not doing all those things can have a negative generational impact. I, I know I've shared this with you before, but there's something called a four-generation fade. And it goes like this. Parents don't make church a priority for their kids. So those kids grow up and make it less of a priority for their kids. And then those kids grow up and make it no priority for their kids. And then those kids grow up with no concept of God. Priorities today impact generations. I mean, this is really, really important stuff. Now, maybe some of you this morning have, have children, maybe grown children, and you're thinking about all the stuff I'm talking about, and honestly, it's painful for you. Because maybe your children haven't yet learned to honor and obey God. Well, without knowing all the distinct challenges and difficulties that brings, I just want to humbly encourage you to keep praying for them. Keep modeling the gospel to them in your own life. And when appropriate, keep pointing them toward the gospel. Don't give up. And remember that our standing before God does not depend on how well we parent our kids. Right? Do we believe that? That our standing before God is based on Jesus. Because of the life and the death of Jesus, we can be considered righteous before God. Jesus has obeyed where we failed, and that includes our parental failures. We may not have obeyed perfectly when it comes to leaving a spiritual legacy for our kids, but Jesus has obeyed. And if we trust him, we believe in what his death accomplished, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. 
Right? That's what the cross was all about. That, that on the cross, all of our sin, all of our failures went on Him. And His perfect righteousness, His perfect record was given to us. And that becomes our righteousness. And so one day, when you stand before God, you're not going to have to give an account of, of how you failed as a parent because the righteousness of Jesus is going to be there. And you're not going to stand in condemnation as a parent. What it also means, though, is we are given supernatural strength and wisdom and guidance to raise our kids. God knows how difficult this is. God knows how exasperated you feel and how hopeless you feel at times. Listen, He will give you strength. He will guide you. He loves your kids more than you do. I'll close with this story. I just heard this last week. Um, th there's a family out near San Francisco recently that just struck it rich in their own home. They were in their backyard one day and they, they noticed that there was something sticking up out of the ground. And so they went and they kind of dug it out and it was a can. And they start digging a little bit more and they realized there were seven more cans and they dug them all up and they opened them up and they found 1,400 mint condition gold coins from the 19th century. Some of these coins were so rare that they were worth over a million dollars each. The family that wanted to stay anonymous, they sold these things. They are millionaires now. And listen, you may never find riches like that in your home, but I want to tell you that God has riches for you in your home. He has treasure for you in your marriage, for, for your relationship with your kids. There's good things to be had there. There's good things to be found, but you're going to have to do the hard work and dig for it and be selfless. And repent when needed. And humbly confront when needed. And forgive when it's required. God has riches for you in your family if you will commit to follow his plan for families. And I, I want to say this. You are not alone in your journey as parents. There are uh, plenty of people right here this morning that have been where you've been. And if you need some help, if you need some prayer, if you need some guidance and wisdom, man, there are plenty of people here that would love to walk with you through this and help you and pray for you. We got to do the hard work at the end. All right, so we are back now. And I hope that I hope that sermon sat with you in a similar way that it sit with with me with us. Granted, it never sits as good as it does when you're in the room, right? The church is never as good as when you're in the room. But the sermon itself, that was that was a great one. And even in the end there where he was talking about our treasure, and he's like, you may never get the money, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord has already put treasure in your house. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so I want us to park in that a second and then back up because I think that's where a lot of our listeners are still, I was still hanging on to that the rest of the day. He talked specifically, he says, you got to dig for that treasure. And, and what I would just like to ask you is when we talk about digging for this treasure, that is the beauty of being in a family, raising a family, what does that digging look like? Yeah, I think you know, it's, it's some of the things that we've talked about here, you know, being deliberate. You know, if I'm, if I'm digging for the treasure, that means I'm sitting, like you talked about in the, in the intro, you know, I'm sitting with my, with my child and we're just having a conversation for half an hour. And, and you can do that with a five-year-old. You can do that with a 45-year-old if you're, if, you're, if you're farther along in life. And, 
and just being able to to sit and we you know the, it's really common uh, today in our society to talk about being being present in the moment. Right. Um, but I think that's a that's a good concept in the sense that you know when you're there, just enjoy that and and set up those you know look for opportunities to set those um, uh, to set up those chances to to have those conversations and just to have those interactions. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I also think, um, you know, n- not just your um, being present for convers. I mean, I-, I agree with you. Being present for conversational um, purposes is is wonderful, and being able to have those opportunities, those teaching moments that come up, the shared memories that come up, and getting to just know your child and uh, your children. Um, but also in the way that you discipline your children, there's also, um, there's also a way you can dig for treasure there because one of the things, you know, that he said that is just that, that we were, um, well, I guess, I mean, I know both of us were felt this and were felt convicted by God that this is the way we needed to parent is, when you have to correct your child, um, you know, I like how Dan said, God, J- Jesus has already taken the punishment and we are there to guide and correct and, and keep them got pointed towards, towards Christ. And, uh, one of the things that we have tried to do along the years when we have to correct our children, um, I can think of so many times where I would sit down with, you know, one of my children and just say, um, you know, what does God's word say about how we're supposed to behave in this kind of situation? Whatever the, you know, infraction or disciplinary issue was about, what does God's word say about how we are to, to behave? What is the God honoring way to, to behave and to kind of show them this is how we're falling short. And, you know, we have a God that, that we're sinning against when we behave a certain way and, we want to repent and go the other direction. And we want it. And having those kinds of opportunities where your, your moments of discipline are actually like teaching moments mm-hmm. instead of punishing moments. And, and I'm not saying that your children don't get consequences for things that they do, but I'm just saying that it's not about beating them over the head and making them feel awful and, and punishing them with, you know, as you know, you're grounded or, you know, you're going to, it's not about the spanking. It's not about the grounding. It's not about whatever they're going to get taken away or what, what consequence they're going to have. It's about a heart change and getting to see those moments where their God is continuing to sanctify them mm-hmm. and transform them and doing the same to us at the same time, because here we are as, you know, sinful creatures that also fall short and we're having to correct our children and point them towards, towards Jesus. It sanctifies us too. You know, well, you yeah. talk about, talk about, you know, mining for that treasure. That's one of the ways to do it is in the, in the time it's like, I know I've, I know the kid's done something wrong, been disobedient, whatever, you know, what is that biblical principle? And, and April, you were so good at that through <laughs> our kids' lives of being able to say, Oh, look at that. And let's go back to that. And, and have that, you know, have that, um, you know, find that principle and talk about it explicitly and overtly. You know, part of the, part of the reason for, for that is because, you know, as a parent, 
let's say that you didn't have that approach and that you're going to like, I'm going to dominate and I'm just going to, you know, be this disciplinarian and, and, you know, put it, apply enough force and, and they will change. That only carries you so far and you can't have a change life that's going to be for the long haul honoring God when that's your approach at parenting. Yeah. And so when you, sometimes if you're in the moment and you're just frustrated and you just want to say, well, you're grounded for life or, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, the long-term goal is that they're going to live a life honoring God. And that is a heart issue. And that's not a, here's a bunch of rules. Don't do this issue. And we're going to force you you that like i said that only lasts so long until that force can't be applied but that change in the heart from the inside out is what's going to carry them and it's what's going to make them years down the road and more years down the road chasing after you know what's right and what's true and what's holy yeah and that's a the collective of this entire sermon i think kind of poured into that final mm-hmm. statement all of this that you're parenting all of the conflict, all of just not even just the everyday life, it's opportunities to find the sweetness of what it actually means to be a human, right? Of what it actually means to be a parent. And, and Dan phrased that as, as mining, you know, for treasure. And it really is. It's, it's every day, everywhere. And hopefully we get better at it as we get older. Today, my dad um, had to watch my kids. I had to go do something. So uh, he showed up at the house, and this is one of these days, y'all. I woke up in about the first hour awake. No, first three hours awake. I'm like, what is wrong? I am so dead. And then I realized I never drank my coffee. <laughs> That's what was going through my mind. When you were, I'm like, Which is coffee? a problem. That's, I'll confess that, okay? But I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a real problem. But my dad shows up, and I had not had my coffee. It was I'd only been awake, literally conscious in, in, in today's existence for about eight minutes. He showed up, because my dad's always 10 minutes early. And I'm, I come downstairs with the kids. I've got their clothes. I'm trying to put Delmar's pants on him. I am dead. And my dad's just standing at the door, and he just has this moment. I mean, I got nothing. I'm dead. But he just has this moment, because probably because he wakes up at four, okay? Oh. And and he just looks at me. He goes, you know something, son? I said, what? He goes, when I was your age, I was standing there doing that exact same thing, and now I'm watching my son do it. <laughs> and I was so dead tired. I'm not even going to act like I was holy, and that meant a lot to me then. But after I had some coffee, I was like, that was my dad like doing a thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He he was he was sharing this experience, saying, son, you're... um." You're now where I was. It's wow. It's kind of hit me. Yeah, you know, but the even even like the mundane of getting your kids shoes on when he doesn't want to turn his foot the right way. Um, if if you look at it right, it's an opportunity for us to mine for that. So in this passage here, we just saw Dan. He went through what was a one negative command and three positive commands. And the the negative command I find to be um, you know appropriately worded towards the fathers. I think men need it that way sometimes, right? Sometimes we just need. If you're a wife and listening, sometimes just tell your husband what he's doing wrong. Don't he not go figure it out? You've been trying to get <laughs> him to figure it out for ten years. Just tell him. And the thing he says here is, fathers, do not stir up anger in your children. And as as we toss this up, this is one of those things that can defeat our mining for treasure. Absolutely. Is if we are the people who are stirring up anger in 
and uh, dissension in our kids. So have you ever had any experience um, having to mitigate through this? What causes this? What can we do to remedy it as we sit in this? Yeah, well, I, I know one of the things that happened a lot in our family is, um, and I think this is this is relatively typical, uh, is that we had the we had the dynamic where I tended to be the the rule enforcer, and April tended to try to look for ways to be the mercy giver. Mm. And so, you know, something would happen, and a kid would do something wrong, and I'd be like, "Okay, there's a consequence that has to happen." And she's like, "Oh, but but they'll feel bad or whatever." And and I think that's a that's a great example of me on my own. I would have provoked my children Mm. a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, they probably in some sense would have been more disciplined, but at the same time they would, would have felt differently about us. And, and I don't think they would have, they, they, I don't think they would have had, um, I think the relationship would have suffered. And, and I think that's a great, you know, our, our example there, I think, especially as I thought about it later and, and kind of look back on multiple, multiple versions, multiple iterations of that. Uh, I think that's a great example of why men and women are different and, and those different aspects of personality that, that God has given us and he's put us in this family and he's, he hasn't given me everything that I need in my own personality. He has given us collectively right. as a married couple everything that we need to raise the kids, which is, which is not to say that he can't you know, work through a single parent uh, if if that's if that's the situation you find yourself in, because he absolutely can. Um, but I think in the in the natural plan, what he wants us to do is to work together, mm. and and that implies you know when when we are in those situations, and I'm saying there must be a consequence, and April says, "Ooh, you probably should rethink that," and and we're I have to. Looking back up to you know the, the previous you know, previous chapter in Ephesians five, right? I have to submit myself to her as she's submitting herself to me, and we're doing this in real time as we're trying to deal with this kid who's being a brat at the moment. Mm. Not that our <laughs> kids were ever brats because they weren't, except when they were. <laughs> except um, for when they were. <laughs> yeah, but but I think that's a that's a good example of that. That's that that dynamic played out a lot in our family, mm. and and. We know that you know God wired men and women different, especially even when it comes to their kids. And you know, women often have that nurturing DNA, which is so valuable. But I think a lot of times, men, uh, you know, one of the things we get to do our kids, we exist to toughen them up. That's right. not necessarily a bad thing. But what I like about this verse is, is it, it is like, listen, yeah, we know you guys. You like to like like. Good example, my daughter was crying the other night. She would not be quiet, right? I was like, okay. I went in the living room, picked her up, just started chunking her in the air. And she starts laughing because that's what, you know, I mean, that's mama's not going to be chunking her in the air, you know, but I'm chunking her in the air. She's like, ha, ha, ha. But, but there's a point where, and maybe you've done this with your own kids. I've, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm innocent of everything. There's times when you goofing off with your kids and then you take it one step too much, right? And it's like that's why that exists because it's our it's our it's our nature to to be a little more tough with our kids and that's not a bad thing, right? Like, but it needs to be balanced. It needs to be balanced, and that that is that is why 
it is good, you know, to be in a household where you have, like my wife will say, Hey, that's, there you go. All right. All right. We got it. But at the same time, there's, there's times when, um, that is, that is helpful, but to draw them to anger and draw them. I think what I would encourage any father listening, if you've ever seen your kids and you've, you've, if they were fine and when you were done with them and they're not fine, sit in that. Sometimes that's a good thing, right? Because sometimes we're disciplining them. Your kids shouldn't be fine when you're done with them. But sometimes if they're just having a good day and you interact with them and they're not fine, like sometimes that could be puberty as well, right? Yeah. But like also examine what happened. Did we, did I push them a little? Did I, did I take out my boredom on my kid? That happens. <laughs> you know? there's, a, there's a key concept in there that, that I actually wrote down later in my notes, but but it's you have to pay attention and you have to pay really close attention to to what's going on. You know, sometimes we tend to go into autopilot and again, especially back to the rule, rule equals consequence, right? Rule violation equals consequence. It's 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 easy for me to get into that um, just kind of automatic mindset. Oh, you broke the rule. There it goes. There's yeah. your consequence. And not think about it and not do what you were just talking about to say, how is my kid right now? And and that's something, again, I think this comes more naturally for women than for men in most cases to pay attention to other people. Mm-hmm. And so for, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why this 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 command is directed towards fathers is because it's not natural for us. For most of us to look at another human and say, how is that person feeling? How is that person reacting to what you're doing? And what does that say about the way I'm treating that person? Am I treating that person properly or improperly? And just as a father being the leader in the home, there's so much reason. He said, I'm going to I'm going to single out the men. I'm going to give them negative because they are the leaders and they have that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I was going to mention is, um, you know, with that not provoking to, to anger or stirring up, you know, anger with your children, um, I think one of the ways that that can happen, if even if you don't mean it, is the is um, using things phrases like "because I said so" and you know being overly critical and or saying "because I said so" instead of taking the time to teach your kids the why behind the rules and the why behind the decisions. And I'm not saying that it's not that parents have to justify their decisions to their children all the time in order for them to be legitimate. But it's, you know, when you, if you have, if you have a kid who all they ever hear is, no, you can't do that. No, I don't want you doing that. No, that was wrong. Why? Because I said so. There's nothing there for them to learn other than, you know, that parent is, is just really just kind of provoking them to anger. And I really liked how, you know, Dan said that, why would we be, why would, what's wrong with provoking our children to anger? Because anger is often the underlying motivating thing for, um, you know, rebellion and, um, wanting to distance yourselves and, and, from, from your parents and things like that. And that kind of goes back to the, you want to go after their heart and you want to explain the why behind things. And you can, you can be firm and you can say no, or you can, you can, you know, give consequences, but things can be done calmly 
with respect to them as as fellow fellow heirs made in the image of God and um and explain things so that they can learn from it and then they know that you have their best interest in you know in mind and I know um so our kids actually listen to the podcast and sometimes we get feedback from them and stuff and our daughter recently was um telling us um she said um she actually was talking about the one of the things that she appreciated growing up was um being the that we explained a lot of things behind our decisions and she said it really helps when you know your you can trust your parents because they've taken the time to help you understand where they're coming from and what drives their decisions and what drives their worldview and what drives their thought processes and she said because sometimes we have to be able to be told because of whatever kind of situation, trust me, I can't tell you why, but no, or trust me, I need you to do this, but I can't tell you why, you know, maybe it's a quick situation or maybe there's a confidentiality thing. And she said, it really makes when those instances have to happen, she's like, as a kid, I know I can trust you and I know what drives your worldview and what drives your thoughts and your decision-making. And I know sometimes if you can't tell me why, I know I can trust you, but that doesn't come without laying the foundation of beforehand. Well, and that goes back to if they know how you operate when it comes to the everyday small things, they, they fill in the gaps with trust when it comes to the bigger things. But if they see you, you know, lying about something tiny, then when it comes to the bigger thing, they might not think you're being truthful to them. That's one of the reasons why, like, if, if, if my wife tells my child to do something and then he goes around the corner and doesn't do it and I see it, I don't let him get away with it. Not even if it's a small thing, but he needs to know, like, I'm on her team. And, and when the way Dan or the passage breaks this down is you have this one negative thing and then you have these three positive things. And, and I love how they all lump together. They, they flow parallel. Not one is greater than the other in that we have a relational responsibility, a discipline responsibility, and a teaching responsibility. And as, you know, he just preached on this pretty in depth, so we'll kind of fly 50,000 feet up. And it's almost like this chair, or this table that has three legs, you know, and these three legs are going to be each one of these responsibilities because if you if you overextend in one and fail at the other how how does a kid have a balanced childhood you know if i have a relation a good relationship with my child oftentimes parents who want to be their kids friends where do they struggle well yeah, being a discipline, discipline yeah. right but oftentimes if i'm really hard on disciplining i tend to not have the relationship or if I'm just teaching, right, then I may over-discipline so they understand my teaching. So it's it's a matter of us making sure that these things are in check, that they're in harmony, not to use a pun, but to use totally use a pun. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when we come to this, are there any ways as we speak kind of high and broadly about these things, that, that any things we do to make sure that we are trying to be balanced in our approach to these responsibilities we have in our kids' lives? I think I think one of the ways to have balance is to, uh, and I'm going to reach forward to one of the last points as well uh, in this, uh, is to, you know, as the the husband, wife, the father, mother team, you know, in the ideal sense, we work off of each other and we recognize what you were just talking about, that, 
you know, I'm on her team, she's on my team, and that we look at things differently and our perspectives are different. Um, and so when we're, when we're at that, uh, we need to respect, I need to respect when she comes at something with a little bit of a different perspective. It's like, okay, there's value in that. Let's see what that, let's see what that means. And, and there's another, there's another point that, that, um, Dan just kind of glanced over a little bit but that I thought was really important when you're talking about, you know, the discipline and, and what April was just talking about a minute ago about, you know, sharing through, uh, sharing through things, uh, and explaining our, our background is when we model what a good authority figure is, we teach our kids what good authority looks like. Absolutely. And then when they see bad authority in other places, it sticks out to them and they say, oh, yeah. that authority is being abusive. And then if they have courage, they can do something about it if, in the appropriate way. And I think that's that's really key. I had to I had to camp out on that a little bit. No, and, that's and think more about that. We that's can a, do a whole podcast on just that. Sure. I've had um, my my son, even though he's five, he he knows the difference between a preacher who uses the Bible to preach and one who doesn't. And one day we're riding home, and he says, Pastor Dan always uses his Bible when he preaches. He understand like because he that authority. You know, we've we've been able to sit and say this is preaching that has authority and this is preaching that doesn't. And it is very um it's very interesting how quick our children can be even pick up on these things. Oh yeah. Shocking. So, yeah. So so as as we kind of close out today, our biggest encouragement is that we I, first of all, I hope that this sermon edified you as much as it did us. Uh, but at the same time, it's also this this reminder that when it comes to raising our kids, there's there's a way that seems right to man. Truth, <laughs> right? And we know where that leads. And we know where that leads. <laughs> yeah, the proper the proper thing here, the biblical thing, is going to be extremely countercultural right now. Yeah, and and what we're probably we we may actually do over the next few weeks is actually probably crank into some of these a little more deep and and flesh them out because when we talk about the responsibilities we have relationally. Um, there are a lot of nuanced conversations, especially even as we discipline and even strategies to how we teach our children, because you can't, um, as we instruct our children, not every child learns the same. Absolutely. And, and yeah, right. Which is why you need relationship, because if you don't have relationship, you can't teach. Well, it's, it's all this balance. So our hope is that this week uh, we would encourage you to start seeking out that balance and that you would be blessed as you're with your kids. So my name's Delmar. I'm Robert. I'm April. And we hope that you are living in harmony. Have a good week. <laughs>